Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Hello, I'm excited that you've joined us today. Uh, today, our guest is Dan Hanford. He's a principal at Hanford Capital, and this year they have closed on three properties valued over $67 million and over 800 units as co-syndicators. Also, he's the host of the Tough Decisions for Entrepreneurs podcast. Thanks for being on the show, Dan. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. Looking forward to the interview. Yeah. Uh, Dan, give us a little bit about your background and how you got into real estate. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, my my background is is quite extensive in the in the field of business and being and in, as an entrepreneur, um, I have uh, multiple sources of passive income at this point from our five medical practices as well as some online companies that I've had for over ten years that continue to produce um, a significant amount of revenue, um, over seven figures a year in those companies. So, um, overall, my passive income revenues are around uh, the eight figure marks. Um, obviously, that's not all profit, but you know, as far as revenues generated is over eight figures. And I got into the real estate, you know, bug because I'm I was sick and tired of you know writing large six figure checks to the government. And so, in order to offset some of that, I wanted to you know really you know divest a lot of my my money into um, just instead of just you know putting into the the stock market and various things like that to put it into the real estate to get that depreciation benefit from it. And then, you know, I, I really like the multifamily space because of the ability to cost segregate a lot of these larger properties because cost segregation, you know, um, is not something that's very affordable when you start talking about some of your smaller, you know, single family residences or even some of your multifamilies that are, you know, less than a million dollars. Once you start getting over a million dollars in multifamily, that's when you can start to have the cost benefits of being able to hire somebody to come in and cost segregate your property and allow you to offset your taxes. So I got into the real estate piece because of that that. Um, and I've been uh, researching the multifamily space for about a year and a half, I really diving deep in it, you know, first part of this year as I was, as I stepped out of the day-to-day operations of our clinics and, uh, and focusing heavily on, on the, on the multifamily real estate side of things. Nice. Nice. Tell me why syndication and why not just purchase, you know, your own rentals, duplexes, triplexes, or even single family homes? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that is an option that, you know, we could go down. Uh, I like, the the fact of multifamily five plus or more and being able to use an agency type debt where you're like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac where you have non-recourse on those loans. Obviously there's certain carve outs for certain things as far as fraud and you know abuse and waste and stuff like that. But um, overall having that non-recourse on those loans is really appealing to me. Um, but also, you know, kind of going back to the the tax strategies of it, it's harder to, you know, uh, cost segregate. And for, for your listeners, I'm not, I don't know how much of them know about cost segregation, but basically cost segregation is being able to take a property and instead of just depreciating the entire property over a 27 and a half year period of time, you can have a, um, a, an expert come in, uh, usually an engineer of some sort, come in, a structural engineer and, and piece out every piece of your property all the way down to the studs and the screws and the sheetrock and the flooring. You can do the stoves and the, and the, and the, and the countertops and you know everything in your property, the door handles and the knobs and the light fixtures. You can cost segregate that down. And instead of taking 27 and a half years to depreciate that, you can actually accelerate the depreciation to five to 15 years 
And then, of course, recently with the new tax law that Trump just recently passed, there's an additional $1 million bonus depreciation that's available for us as well. And so from that standpoint, you know, that's, that's the, one of the biggest benefits of being in the, in the larger multifamily space is the ability to accelerate your depreciation. And I think that when you, the larger the property, the more stable the asset as well. And of course, you know, the reason why I like multifamily is because, you know, we're all, they're all talking about, you know, right now we're in the middle of 2018 and, you know, I'm kind of dating this podcast a little bit, but um, it's, it's one of those things where right now everybody's talking about a possible correction coming up. And I think everybody would agree that, that there is something coming. We don't know what it is, but, or when it'll come, but something will come here in the next year or two or three. And, uh, and so people who are in that middle of that correction are, going to not be able to buy houses. That's typically what happens is that people, the market can no longer buy houses for, you know, and it starts to slow the house, the houses down, um, the house sales down. And so what you find is, is that people need somewhere to live. So where do they go? They go to apartments and they start renting, you know, or they continue to rent because they can't buy a house. And so it actually, to me, it is, is one of the very few properties or asset classes that is really stable in just about any type of an economy. And so to be able to have that economies of scale is, is really important. And I like that I can save money on the taxes, but I also like being able to bring on other investors that want to do the same thing, but they don't have the luxury of time to be able to put all these assets together. And that's where I can help out as well. That's incredible. I appreciate you explaining all that. But going uh, back to the finance uh, portion a little bit that you mentioned, and just for the listener who doesn't understand the non-recourse, could you just explain that a little bit? Sure. So um, whenever you typically buy a, a single family house, if you're going to buy a house for yourself, you are you and your spouse or whoever's buying the property with you will sign on the mortgage and you are on the line or on the hook for paying back that mortgage. Um, so if something happens or whatever, you, you miss payments, they will come take your property back and they'll come after you as well for additional assets to try to you know, take down that pro- or you know, pay off the rest of that note or whatever, or for the balance. And so with, with a non-recourse loan is going to be one of those loans where they do not come back after you, except for certain types of carve-outs. Now, the reason why Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, I believe, do this is because these are very stable assets. They're not worried. They're going to still have you put up 20, 25, 30% of the loan value um, to make sure that they can protect themselves. That if for some reason something happens, they could take the property back, sell it and get their money back from it. But these are, these are fairly stable properties. I mean, very stable. That's why they're able to do that. But anything that's considered, you know, uh, commercial, even though they are residential from a cost segregation or from a, a depreciation standpoint, um, anything that is five, five or more is considered multifamily and they can be, they can apply for these types of loans. Now there are certain lenders that only lend to certain dollar amounts. You know, the small balance, you know, loans usually start at about $750,000 and go up to about seven and a half million. So there's certain lenders that focus on that sub segment and there's some lenders that focus on the larger ones. Um, But for the most part, that's the the, the non-recourse means that, you know, for the people who are signing on the note, they're not going to come after your personal assets and come after you personally for it, except for certain carve-outs, which every lender has. And those carve-outs are usually typically based around some sort of fraud, waste, or abuse. All right. Um, it looks like uh, Hanford Capital, you know, you've closed on three deals this year already. And I, it looks like probably raising capital is a strength of yours. 
and just getting into the syndication business, can you just provide some guidance uh, so I can learn and listeners can learn the best ways of, uh, of raising capital and networking with those high net worth individuals? Sure. It's a question I get quite often because, you know, there, there are, when you're, when you're starting to capital raise for somebody else, you know, you obviously have to continue to expand your network. And even right now, as we're looking for our own deals and not just co-syndicating with other um, syndicators, we're also looking to, you know, buy our own properties. Um, we're, we're always needing investors and you're always going to have to continue to look for investors and filling that funnel. That's the biggest thing with as a syndicator, you have to always be looking for two things, deal flow and investor flow. If those, if either one of those things stop, then sometimes things aren't going to go to go so well for you. Um, I would say, you know, there's, there's um, two things that I do that I like to, that I, that where I find quite a few of my investors. Number one, I have an expertise in being able to teach physicians, which are usually higher net worth individuals on how to do marketing for their practices. And so I go and speak to physician groups. So I have a full room, 100, 200, 300 physicians I can speak to about marketing, um, marketing their practices. And, you know, usually in the middle of my talk, um, I'll be going through marketing and I'll put a slide up, but all of a sudden it'll be a picture of an apartment complex, you know, like in the middle of my, my, my talk. And, uh, and then in the middle of the talk, it kind of just sparks my memory to talk to them about the, the apartment investing. I don't go into a lot of detail with it, but I kind of talk to them about, oh yeah, I wanted to talk to you about the apartment investing that we do through our company called Hanford Capital. I do a short, like two or three minute, you know, sales pitch, I guess, if you will with it. And, uh, and basically just tell them that if at the end of the, at the end of our presentation, if you're interested in something like this, let me know, send me a text message, give me a call, come up to me afterwards, we can chat. And usually I'll get, you know, four or five or six people that'll come up to me afterwards and I'll be able to, I can build that investor relationship there too. So that's one way. And you might not, you might look at that and go, well, that's good for you, but how can I apply that for me? I would say that the way you can apply it is, is that there is probably some sort of skill or expertise that you have that will allow you to get in front of an audience. It doesn't have to be always high net worth individuals. You can be in front of any type of audience. There will be high net worth individuals in that room. You know, don't, don't always think you have to be speaking in front of physicians or, you know, uh, accountants or lawyers or attorney. You don't have to always be in front of those people. Every room that you have in will have a sub-segment of them that are high net worth individuals that will likely be interested. One of the other, the other tip that I'll give you, which is my number two tip here, is don't always think that going to real estate investor meetups that you're going to find real estate investors, at least the ones that are going to invest in your deals. And the reason why is because most of the people, if you've ever been to those meetups, are there because they're like you and they're trying to find other real estate investors. So I've, I, I can't really think of anybody that I've met at a real estate investor meetup that was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a high net worth individual and I'm just here to try to put money somewhere. I mean, you don't, you don't go there to find that stuff. I mean, we, we think that we're going to go there and network and find somebody there. Or not. So you have to put yourself in positions where everybody else is doing the same thing as you as are not, you know? And so one of the, one of the biggest examples I give here is every town has a organization of private clubs. Okay. And these are usually like corporate executive CEO type, you know, closed clubs and you have to know somebody in order to get in. One of the most popular ones, which I think they have over 300 clubs across the United States, which is one that I'm part of, is called Club Core, C-L-U-B-C-O-R, 
P C O R P. And you can go to clubcore.com and find on there a, a club near you. And you, these are the types of clubs that are kind of hoity toity. You have to always go in, you have to have slacks. You got to have a nice button up shirt. And we, in our town here, we have a lounge, which you can go into without your, your, your sport coat on. But if you want to go into the Galleria, you'll have to always have your sport coat on and a button up shirt. You don't always have to wear a tie, but there are some clubs that you have to wear a shirt and a tie every time and you have to wear your sport coat. So they, they make it very exclusive and not a lot of people know about these things. But that's where a lot of your higher net worth individuals go. And I think every week I get probably two or three emails from this, this, this exclusive club about different networking events that are happening. Well, guess, who's, guess what? When I go to one of those networking events, guess who else is looking for investors? Nobody else but me, you know? So I'm wow. there working and I don't go there and like, you know, try to, you know, talk to somebody and say, let me tell you about my real estate stuff. I go there as like, you know, typical networking and I'm starting a conversation with somebody and talking to them a little bit about what, you know, really I try to put all the, the onus on them. I'll talk to them about what they do and how they're doing things and they will start to bring that conversation up to me. Oh, well, what do you do? And it brings up that conversation, you know? So it really is trying to, you know, as far as finding investors, you've got to be in places where you've got to, where, where, where high net worth individuals are so that you can find those investors and don't always just think you're going to find the next million dollar investor at a real estate meetup because they don't exist there. That's some great advice. I have not heard of the club core uh, before. I will definitely look that up. Um, and so I was going to ask you, and you about answered it, uh, any advice on that first conversation when uh, with an, uh, a possible investor, potential investor, when I don't have, you know, a long track record or, you know, you've done three deals this year. So, you know, obviously that, you know, that's going to catch somebody's attention, but what if you don't have that, that track record, what's some advice you can give to that, that person who's looking to, to raise capital? Sure. I think the biggest thing there is, is to be looking for the, for the right sponsor, because, you know, one of the things, you know, for me is I wanted to make sure I had a few deals like this under my belt where I was co-syndicating on so that I could, now talk to my investors about the other deals that we've done. You know, they don't know that I'm not the full person on behind the deal. I mean, they don't know how the whole syndication process works. Now, people listening to your podcast are probably more familiar with that syndication, you know, concept. But most of the the people that I'm the investors that I'm talking to, sometimes they've never even thought about investing in multifamily real estate. But when I can go to them and say, you know, this actually in 2018, we've closed on you know 67 point. $4 million worth of deals. We have 800 and something units in our, in our portfolio. You know, we're looking to take down this next property. It's going to be $20 million. We're raising, you know, five and a half million. You know, would you like to be a part of it? You know, we're going to be raising our money from this state to this state. If you don't get in, then you're going to miss out. You know, that brings a little bit more credibility. So for me, I wanted to make sure that I could raise for other syndicators so that I could have that notch on my belt, if you will. So when I do talk to other um, investors, they, that they don't have to have that lack of credibility. Now, I'll tell you that I, I still run up against it. I mean, even when I'm, when I'm raising money for, for other syndicators, they'll still say, well, your, your group is still kind of new. I'm just going to kind of sit on the sidelines and kind of, you know, wait till the next deal comes along. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that because I never want to force anybody into investing in any deal. If they come to the conclusion themselves that they want to hold off or they don't want to invest right now, I never try to sell them into investing. You know, I never want to, you know, take somebody's last $50,000 and put them in my deal. I, I, I don't want that stress, right? You know, so I, and my, my minimum investment is typically $50,000. You know, and I, I'm, I will most likely raise that to 100 as I continue to get more and more underneath my belt. And the main reason for that is because 
it, the, 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 the lower amount that you allow into your program, your, your, your deal, the, the more investors you have to deal with. And so if you can get some higher net worth individuals that heck, that can put up a minimum of 100,000, then you have fewer investors to deal with. And typically those who invest a higher dollar amount typically aren't as a pain in your rear end, if you will, um, once you actually close the deal. You know, the people who are investing less than $100,000, now this isn't always the case, but typically those are the ones that are going to be, you know, emailing you and contacting you and, and being a little bit more worried about their money than a typical person who is willing to put up $100,000 in, you know, 10 different deals. So uh, that's... Uh, that's the biggest thing with it is, is getting, I would say if you're in, if you're new in this space, do co-syndicate with somebody else, be on the GP side of somebody else's deals so you can get that experience and that exposure. And it also looks good from a credibility standpoint when you're trying to attract other investors into your group. It's great explanation. Tell us how you found that sponsor or syndicator that you wanted to partner with. Sure. So, um, both of the ones that I've partnered with have been through my mentor. So I have a mentor. I don't know if you want me to share his name on here or not, but, uh, Joe Fairless is, is my mentor and he's helped me quite a lot. And so if you're, you know, in, new into this indication space and you're, you're looking for somebody to, 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 you know, to have as a mentor, I use Joe Fairless. He's very good. I, he's very down to earth, very accessible. Um, two other people that I've, I've followed along my way is, uh, David Lindahl with multifamily millions. I haven't, I've read his book and I've gone to one of his, his seminars, but I have not joined his program or, you know, I've done any ongoing coaching with him, but I did like his book, multifamily millions. And then, uh, Jake and Gino, um, com. they're, you know, Gino Barbaro and Jake Stenziano. Both of them have a book that they wrote together called uh, Wheelbarrow Profits. And that was a very good book and it helped me a lot. So between those three, that's really where most of my education has come from. That, and of course, I like to go to events. And so I'm, I'm always constantly, you know, at events and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, those are, those are the three people I've, I have followed. That's great. And what would make them stand out as, as opposed to another sponsor or syndicator who maybe even has a longer track record? <sighs> You know, honestly, I mean, I, I don't really think that any of them really stand out any, any more, you know, far, as far as the, the sponsors that I've done co-syndications with. It's really kind of been, they are in a very similar position as I am. And so we can kind of work together and, and build each other up. It kind of helps. So I wouldn't say that any of, this, that any of them that I've, I've you know, co-syndicated with really are better than either of the other ones. They're actually newer than the other ones. And so it makes it a little bit more challenging. So it, it was a little bit harder to raise money in that kind of a group. But um, at the end of the day, we're all going to be in that position at some point in time. And, uh, and so you know, we'll just kind of have to work together as, as syndicators to kind of continue their raise. You know, I mean, right now I, I try to build relationships with as many, you know, capital raising uh, syndicators as possible. Cause you know, when we have our deal, you know, we're looking at close, you know, our own deals about $20 million um, by the, between now and the end of this year. And so when we do that, we're going to need some capital raising partners. So, you know, we're always looking for those, those capital raising partners. And, uh, and so I always want to keep those channels open, you know? Of course course. Tell me the, the biggest reason most syndicators fail or, or never make it into the business. <laughs> well, this is, this is a big topic. So um, I don't know if we have enough time to go into all the details, but I would say that <laughs> something that's common or specific that you've seen. Yeah. I would say the number one reason is lack of implementation. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a big believer in what I call relentless implementation, where you have to 
get yourself to the point where you line up your why and purpose, why you are doing syndication, and then line that up with your desire to actually want to do that and fulfill that purpose and that why in your life, and then make, this, make a decision to act upon it. Because until you can actually take that, 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 that why and desire and actually start to make some action on it, it never gets past just being a desire. So many people have a desire to do things, whether it be, oh, I want to be a millionaire one of these days. Well, you can have a desire to do that, but unless you actually decide to act upon that desire, it never goes from just a simple desire to an actual ambition, which is a strong desire. And once you get to that strong desire standpoint, that's when you can take it to that relentless implementation standpoint. And that is a complete cycle. You have to constantly be going back to your, your, your purpose and your why continuing to feed that desire, continuing to make decisions to act, which feed the, the ambition, and it just goes back and forth to that, to that entire cycle. So I would say the biggest thing that most um, newbies have a problem with is, is actually making the decision to act no matter what it is. Like for me, I didn't have a deal to close on right now, but I wanted to be acting right now. So I started to go working with other, other syndicators and raising money for them. So the biggest thing I would say is, is not taking the, 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 the desire and acting upon that desire to get it to the point of relentless implementation. Well said. As far as, um, co-sponsoring and partnering with those, what, what's the biggest hurdle or challenge you've experienced? Vetting the deal, underwriting the deal. Um, I've looked at a couple of deals that I have turned down and it wasn't because the sponsor was bad or the sponsor wasn't set up properly. It was really just the deal itself. Um, and then maybe the market that it was in, you know, we did, we looked at one recently that, you know, the, the, the large market itself was a really good market. I don't want to go into a lot of specifics because, you know, I don't ever like to talk bad about another syndicator because it might not be a bad deal for somebody else. But just for me, it just wasn't the right fit for us. But it was in a market that was a really good market, but the sub market within that market wasn't the terrible market for us. You know, we, we, there, was, there was no population growth, no median, no increase in the medium household income over the last 16 years. And so, and, and of course there was, uh, you know, lower income, things like that. So a lot of it was just, and there was not a lot of ethnic, ethnic diversity in that population. So a combination of that and then other things in that market and the underwriting just didn't really fit well with us. So our risk tolerance wasn't that good. Um, and so we decided to pass on that deal, but there's been, I take those as opportunities to talk to my investors about what I do for them, you know, as a, as a, as a, you know, a partner for them, even though I didn't find some of those deals, I'm still turning down deals for them. And it's funny cause you go there to your investors and you explain to them why you turn down a deal. And they actually like that even more, you know, because they're like, now yeah. I know why I'm, I'm going I'm to be continuing to invest with Hanford Capital because here's what he saved me from, you know, and I'm not even thinking about that. There's so many different pieces and nuances to it that I didn't even think about it. So I, you don't have to tell me anymore. Just I'm going to put my money all with you, you know, um, and I'm going to be doing a, uh, uh, a podcast, not a podcast, but a, uh, like a webinar training or whatever on that deal that I'm talking about. Um, so if, if any of your listeners want to jump on our HanfordCapital.com and put their information in as one of the investors there, we'll get on a phone call with you to see if we're a right fit. But I will be giving that, that, that webinar away to our investors so that they can see exactly how we look at a deal and why we turn down that deal. And it, we actually, every single one of our properties that we um, co-syndicate with, we will go visit the property. Like we're not just going to, you know, look at the underwriting and go, oh yeah, it looks good. You know, because if that property we didn't look at, we probably would have done it. 
But because I had boots on the ground, I talked to the property manager, I walked the units, I walked the, the comps, you know, it, it opens your eyes up to so many more things to be able to do that. My investors like that too, because they want to know that, you know, I'm one, an investor first. So I'm not going to recommend a deal to my investors unless I'm putting my own money in that deal. And so I always do that and I always walk the property. I always want to make sure I have boots on the ground and my investors know that. And so this deal that's on this webinar that I'm going to talk about, I go through all the different things that I looked at on this property and why we turned it down. We probably spent, I mean, of course, we actually, you know, drove down to the property. Um, and then we also, uh, we spent several hours on the, um, you know, driving down there on the property, driving back and then, uh, uh, spend several hours um, looking through the underwriting and kind of pulling it apart and looking at it and doing market research. So it was a lot of time and energy and effort, you know, and, and invested in this to be able to, you know, I really wanted the deal to work, you know, because um, we don't make money unless we're able to present deals to our investors. But I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't honestly present this to my investors because I wouldn't put my own money there. I just thought the risks were just too high. And so, I think the biggest thing is, is making sure that you bet the deal properly and also the sponsor. But I think for the most part, it's been for us, the, the deals that just, you know, the markets just weren't really the right for us. Yeah. I think that built your investor's confidence, you know, in you and your company for sure. I use it as a, as an educational point. I mean, why not? I mean, I already spent all this time and energy effort into it. I might as well use it as a marketing expense. If I can't, you know, right. use it as a, as a, as a, as a way to make money, I can use it to build the confidence in the investors. And then they go and share that with another, another one of their friends because guess what? High net worth individuals hang out with who? High net worth individuals. That's right. right? So the more you can kind of present to them, the more you're going to get referrals for that same thing. Well, before we have to go, tell us the one thing that, that we can do to improve our real estate syndication business? The number one thing that you can do to, to, to increase your real estate syndication business is always, always, always be networking, but not always just networking within the meetup groups, but you know, networking with brokers, networking with investors, and then also networking with outside uh, syndication partners because you're going to need all three of those when you start to take down your own deal. Wow. That's great, Dan. I, I really appreciate the value that you've brought to the show today and the listeners, and I hope everyone will listen and subscribe. And uh, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. Actually, before we go, I meant to ask you, tell us how people can contact you and, and connect oh, sure. with you and hear your podcast. Sure. Yeah. You can find uh, my wife and I have a podcast called Tough Decisions for Entrepreneurs. You can go to toughdecisions.net. On the toughdecisions.net website, you can also sign up for our free weekly entrepreneur email where you can get um, you know, uh, summaries of our podcast that we have out every week. It's a daily podcast. We also have inspiring entrepreneur quotes and we also have uh, you know, books that we recommend for business owners and then uh, technology for business as well. And then of course, if you're an investor or a syndication partner and you want to possibly you know, look into seeing what we can do for you or partner up, you can go to HanfordCapital.com and uh, check us out there as well. Their podcast is fantastic. I listen to it myself. They've had lots of great guests. Hope you all have a great day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Whitney. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.